This episode of Real Trail Talk is brought to you by Green Door Vineyard and Winery, located in the picturesque Ferguson Valley. As a special offer for Real Trail Talk listeners, if you use the promo code TRAILTALK, all one word, you will receive 10% off your first order. You can make your online order at greendoorwines.com.au. Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 72. We are doing part four of our Mundabidi series, and we're going between Collie and Jarrowood. And to help us talk through this, we have brought in a special guest, Saf Flatters from Bark and Spark, who did her end-to-end. When did you do that, uh, Saf? 2018, I think, 2018. April. Yeah, it's a while back. Yeah. So we've got another opinion in to discuss what is actually quite a very lovely section. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess we'll start with your thoughts on Coley, Saf. Um, this was actually a point where you had left the track and gone to a wedding and then come <laughs> back. <laughs> Life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, so what was it like being on an end-to-end and leaving the track for a few days? I absolutely don't recommend it. Yeah, the, the wedding was lovely mm. and absolutely, you know, I had to go. But it completely blew out my, like, I guess my emotional journey to the end. Mm. I had, it's almost like I had to start again and go through those hard few days of just going, what am I doing? Where am I, where am I going? And also just getting my legs back. It was going really, really well. And then just this break in mm. right in between. So if you guys are doing it end to end in wall one go, I do not recommend you taking a short little break and then coming back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, it only took me a couple of days. And fortunately, I chose a really beautiful section to come back to. So it wasn't too difficult to get back in there. But it's quite undulating, that section, from Collie onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little bit of growing up in Collie. So I knew that area quite well. But, damn, that honeymoon pool, uh, <laughs> when you're on your bike and you're alone and it's raining, like, there is not a better site. Mm. So... It really did get me back into it, but it did take me a couple of d- couple of days to sleep well again and things like that. And I was a little bit hungover, so uh, that wouldn't didn't help. Yeah. So Don, you picked this up and you decided you'd do an end to end experience and actually start again in Collie and do the spur trail back. Yeah, that's and- right. So even though I did this sectionally, I thought no, I want to make sure that this is authentic to the experience. Not starting at the junction, mm. starting in Collie. So I did the return section back to the main track. Yep. And I actually really like the section. I think it's, even though it's repeating the same scenery, I actually think the scenery is quite nice. Mm. Um, certainly nicer than the stuff that's south of Coldfields Highway, I think. Yeah. And so if you got dropped off. I got dropped trail. off at, uh, right at the, at Worsley Junction. So uh, Gestaldo Road is where I got dropped off. Yeah. And that was really, yeah. I And that's where I got picked up, you know, three days before or two days mm. before. So yeah. that was a pretty good spot to, as I start descending into the dam, mm. um, it was a good way to start mm. for sure. It's a beautiful forest in Wellington National Park. It is renowned for the quality of the jarrow when they haven't burnt at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit of a mixed bag. So after leaving the spur junction, I got a bit lost. 
uh, I have to admit. I overshot the turn off into to get to Wellington National Park and I had to double back and work work out what I was doing. So uh, a stupid mistake on my part, but also to be fair, it was because a lot of people have just created their own sort of trails through the area. Mm. Um, and I realized that it was, wasn't an official trail when it started to look like it was just someone who's driven their dirt bike and has just dug up the ground. Um, but I will say that if you do know how to read a, a map, it is so important and I was able to work out where I was and look, read the scenery around me, go, okay, so this is the where the railway track is. If I follow this way, I'll get back onto the trail. And I did get back onto the trail just as it heads through the sort of farmland area um, before then crossing the road into Wellington National Park. Also, just a note there, trail forks on your iPhone is or any smartphone mm. is a big plus that's saved me are many times on that track yeah there are yeah. some times where you're just like everything starts looking the same or everything looks completely different from where you think you should be and especially collie i mean trail bikes are huge down there but now that that mountain the mountain bike parks are just growing and growing in collie mm. and there's more and more money going into building single tracks it may get more confusing for people following them under biddy or it may get better because maybe the more money going into signage mm. yeah I think they said they want to reroute the Mundabidi so that you only you go in the way we do now, but then you'll go out a different way. And I think that that will be be a good experience. Yeah, and they're going to pl- plan to go through more forest rather than down the down the highway. Yeah. So that that's really exciting, and I would love to do that section as soon as they've done that. And I I think there's about twenty million dollars going into building more single tracking collie, including the Mundabidi. Mm. And then more with the state election coming up, more promises of even more hiking and biking tracks in that area. Mm. Yep. Yeah, certainly a growth area that they've really targeted. So fingers crossed more money goes in there and it's easier for us cyclists and, and hikers. Um, so going into Wellington National Park, um, really nice forest. And as you've already mentioned, a downhill. How is this on the legs and just <laughs> as a pure enjoyment standpoint? Uh, so I was expecting to get to the steep descent sooner because I think I'd built it up that you, you cross the road and then you're there and it's just the steep descents. Mm. But it took a long time to get to that. And there's actually a bit where you go down and then you go up again. Uh, but the scenery is fantastic. There's bits where you go along creek lines and there's um, you know granite sort of creek beds. So I would tell myself if I could go back in time just chill out you'll get to the descent when you get to the descent and just enjoy the scenery because it was really excellent it was in the parts that weren't burnt as well so mm. really nice was hung over when, enjoying oh, this. when i did it i wasn't really into mountain biking i'm very big into mountain biking now probably because of this section mm. though it switched back was sick <laughs> like i agree i thought it was coming and then it didn't turn up and mm. i was like oh there's a lot of comments in books saying you should skip this section if you're loaded. Do not skip this section. Mm. This is the section that makes you the Mundabitty cyclist you are. <laughs> I mean, I haven't gone back up there. Oh, actually, no, one of my water bottles fell off and I did have to climb back up and skull drag my bike up for a bit oh, to no. pack a water bottle. It was only a couple of switchbacks back. Mm. And then um, being in the rain, being a little bit hungover, it was just pure paradise going down those switchbacks yeah. and um knowing that there's um willy dam mountain biking in the area you can see why there's a mm. park there because it's just beautiful downhill yes if you've got panniers or you're really heavy loaded 
or very skinny tires, it might be a little bit different. But mm. with my three inch plus tires and the bikepacking setup, I just just burned it. It was mm-hmm. great. Um, fortunately, it wasn't log. There was no logging. Oh, I'm sorry, bushfire when I I went through. So it was super green and super brown on like all the leaf litter on the ground around April. So it was mm. just after um, summer, and it was probably the first rain in a while as well. So all the rapids were rushing when awesome. you hit the bottom. Nice. It was amazing. Do not skip this section. Yeah. I don't care who you are or what you you can walk it. It is beautiful and stunning and people got to stop writing the book. This is how you skip this section between River Road to River Road. Do not skip it. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I They had closed it for a prescribed burn. So in the order I did it, I had this huge gap where I had to come back and do the section. And I'm really glad that I did the crazy steep descent because it's, it's really stunning. All the granite formations along there. It was a bit burnt, but... You know, I really enjoyed it, and it just some of the the f- things I remember about it. Like, for example, that my I had pressed the brakes so much that my wheel had actually come out of alignment. Oh. <laughs> um, I was riding, and suddenly I went, "Gee, this doesn't feel right," and the wheel felt like it was about to come out. And I checked it, and it was about to actually. It had actually been gripped by the brakes so much that it had shifted the wheel out. Oh, <laughs> And it's. I thought it was quite funny. You know, I actually, actually really quite enjoyed the adventure side of things of having to stop, turn the bike over, put the wheel back on properly, tighten everything. And That's when go. you know you're doing a real track. That yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Nice. And is this the only black diamond rated section of the Mundabidi? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is there not that part in Pemberton? Is that not after the tree? I think it's still not black. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I definitely would class it back black if you're carrying gear and mm. depending how loaded you are, but anyone can walk something like that. So if you are not so confident on technical sections, just get off your bike and walk it because it's so worth it. Mm. But yeah, you do go over granite, granite boulders and just remember granite's even stickier in the wet. You know, mm. like that is, granite boulders is a good thing. It's those slippery little logs and roots that fortunately we don't have too much up in Perth area, but as you get further south, you do lose your back tire and things like that. So mm. um, just walk it, but it is totally worth the journey. Yeah. I mean, it's better than pea gravel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I suppose we have to spare a thought for the people going south to north oh. along here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is the reason I would bastards. not do a south to north. Like well, I, I'm I think thinking of doing t- a south to oh, north. Oh, are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the pain is long gone, being 2018, that I am I'm ready for a, another go. Mm. And but we do have a good shot going north to south. The single track also works in our favour, north mm. to south, a lot better. Mm. But the more money that's going into it, and there's been so much more work done on the north end, and now they're doing so much work in Collie. The Mundabidi is only going to get better and better. Yeah. And the more people that do cycling and bikepacking, the more chances we have of getting awarded this money to mm. fix up the track. And mm. for you guys, like volunteering, just like the Bibbleman, you know, there's more people helping out. Yeah. Do you think anyone gets to this bit going south to north and walks to the top, dumps all their gear, goes down and then walks back up? Just oh, to I would totally. It? I'm going to do that. <laughs> that is a great way of doing it. Yeah. I'd probably do that. <laughs> um, so going down the switchbacks and then you kind of, you join the Collie River along the Jabbitch Trail and yeah. leading towards Honeymoon Pool, which is one of the, it's not underrated around Collie, but it doesn't get as much love as some of the other Instagram-friendly locations. Yeah, I, I just don't get it because you get that, what, that Black Diamond Lake or whatever yeah. it's called, you know? Like, that always gets all of the love. 
and Honeymoon Pool's natural and is outstanding. And it's the same colour, but you've got rapids and it looks beautiful. Mm. I don't I don't understand it either, but I feel like I want to keep it a secret. So mm. um, I do think that the parking makes people have to walk a little bit further. Yeah. And that's that's the first time I had seen people that day and the only time I saw people was at that honeymoon pool section. And mm. still, I mean, it was only drizzling at that point and it was perfect temperature in April, close to Easter weekend, and I probably only saw one family. Mm. So you're right. It is totally underrated. Um, but it's 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 stunning. And to get on that the side of the river we we're on would take a, even a bigger walk to mm. get to from wherever you park your car. Mm. Yep. But the Mundabitty doesn't actually go to Honeymoon Pool. It's like a little side trip that you would take. Yeah, but it's yeah. worth this. It's yeah. only like five minutes, you know. So yeah. yeah, and the rapids. I mean, it was just as it was still pretty. Seeing you, you are riding along the water for a while, even though it doesn't go into the actual pool. Mm. It's maybe that's even better because there are less people around. Mm. Um, there's less human obvi- obvious like features. There was no stairs around that bit. I mean, I felt my, filled up my water bottles with like fresh running water off the rapids and sat there for a while and saw a little lizard come up and, you mm. know, mm. come pretty close to me until I moved and scared it by accident. But yeah. things like that, like there's less people around. It actually makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Um, so leaving the Collie River, it's an uphill climb, which isn't too bad compared to, to what you've done earlier in the day. And then it's up to the campsite, which is Nyangbudja. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I barely noticed the ascent. It was very gentle, you know, all the way to the campsite. And the the thing that a lot of people do is the track splits into two here. And if you ride against the flow of traffic, it's a bit easier. Yeah. Um, because otherwise you have to rise up for no reason other than that's the correct way to go. But it's one of these weird things where the left, the left side is right and the right way is left in terms of like it swaps over <laughs> from what you normally would do. Yeah. Um, but eh, either way, it's not it's not that bad, you know. Mm. And the campsite looks very nice. It's one of the ones with the wooden wooden floors, so you don't really have to worry about having shoes on all the time. It's very similar to Yari, but I didn't stay there, so I think you might have a bit of. Oh, uh, I stayed there, and I was also soaked by that point, so I had to peel my socks off and you know dry everything out. And it was, it's like Yarry, but it's, it's, it's better than Yarry. It's like quieter and darker. And I think, I mean, I, I, I finished three o'clock most days, so I get a chance to camp because that's, that's what I'm doing it for. Mm. Um, that, that hut's a really, really nice one. Mm. And I, I mean, my, my hangover had left by then. So I was enjoying my first meal back on the track and it was very quiet. Um, later in that night, there was a, I thought someone had turned up while I was sleeping and I woke up with a start and mm. knowing that I'm close to a town as well makes me think, you know, there are people around and I, I, mm. I do have that, those feelings sometimes, especially when I'm sleeping in my, you know, tightly sleeping bag, just going, who's out there? And I did get up and I yelled a bit and ran out <laughs> and was like, get out of here. And I looked over with my torch and it was this tiny little Joey, you know, <laughs> I'd left my little, uh, like the tea bag sitting on the table and he was just sniffing it, you know, and I was just like, oh, sorry. And he just did not care. So they must hang around there. That must be their, their home. Mm. And um, yeah, safely went to sleep, knew I was being guarded, you know, but uh, it is a really nice section. I have, a, I remember that ascent being worse than you have described it. <laughs> my, my bike um, with those three-inch tyres, they d- aren't so great on tarmac. 
And so every time I hit the tarmac, it was just a slog. It was like the almost the opposite of every other bike ever. Um, <laughs> tarmac is the worst thing for it. Yeah. Um, and because it's only 18 PSI, so it just rolls over gravel. It's almost like I move forward faster. But the tarmac and mm. with the ascent, I was done that day. Mm. Yeah. I um. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't remember that bit as being a fun bit. Yeah. It's funny how you just people have different experiences with different things. Because I know, for me, what they sent that killed me was the one just before the really steep descent to the Collier Valley where you because you go downhill and then you cross River Road and then you go up really steep and then you go down the super steep bit to the river yeah I see what you remember and what I remember are totally different (laughs) things and even reading your blog like um and I my blog is not as specific but reading your blog I've noticed that you the things you love are so different to the things I love and surely the track hasn't changed that much. Yeah. But it's I guess it's how the bike's packed, what you've packed, how you're feeling that day, your emotions as well. I had a couple of crap days just because I was so tired or if I had a good sleep. So the fact that I slept in a bed the night before, mm. you know, may have changed the way that I felt the beginning of the track, but then by the end I was more burnt out. Things like that. It's so different and I can't wait to do it again and experience it in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to the next day. So this is Nyangbuja to Donnybrook. Um, so I forgot to mention the previous day was 43 kilometers and this one's about the same, about 47 kilometers. Hmm. So you, Don, you came back for this one because you meant to stay at the campsite and then there were storms coming in, so you decided against yeah, it. Yeah, it was like a super intense storm. And also, so Alyssa was joining me at the campsites this is because there's been some antisocial behavior in the area. Hmm. Like I think someone like destroyed one of the water tanks and vandalized the, the place at, a f- couple of years ago. They've made it really difficult for you to walk into this one. So Alyssa would have had to walk like two Ks in hmm. with all of the hiking gear. You know, she was carrying like 20 kilos worth of, of gear. So we, uh, we were kind of glad in a sense that we didn't camp and we had just, you know, I, I cycled up to the, the, the next road that road crossing and picked it up again the next mm. time and how are you feeling this morning Seth after being startled by a little Joey yeah. <laughs> and this is day two of your kind of second stint on yeah the day two was interesting it's um to between uh Langbuja and Donnybrook you it's weird you go you come out of the forest and then you hit cow town like cow land everywhere yeah and then you go and hit orchard land and you know you're getting closer to donnybrook which is famous for apples you know and it's famous for picking fruit and orchards Mm. um it definitely wasn't my favorite day compared to the day before where you just felt like you're alone in the forest um the sections i did like crooked crooked forest crooked brook forest so that's when you go back into the forest and um i i can see how it would have been difficult for cars and walkers to get into that section mm. um it that's what i like about it yeah and i guess unless you need to need it for logistic reasons um and there is it's it's great around there i um i the cow country was interesting it was every time you ride past a cow every cow will stop and stare at you you know like <laughs> yeah. you have an audience while you're riding don't think you're alone at any point there is some munching going around in the corner while they're watching you i even crossed a road called butcher road and oh. there was like a, like a whole lot of cows just looking at me and i'm like sorry guys like <laughs> um 
so that that was interesting and I was still soaked so all my stuff had been wet um, the only things that survived was anything that I had packed or um, my sleeping my sleep kit was fine and everything like that I had wet, all wet matches but luckily I had a flint and um, I had brought sandals and I hadn't worn them in that section because pea gravel and sandals is not a good idea. Yeah. But because that section was more, you know, going around farm fencing and things like that, I broke out the sandals for the first time and, oh, I was a convert straight away. I don't think my shoes got back on until very much later down down the um, down the Mundabitty. Mm. So, uh, yeah, gave my chance for my shoes to dry out and then just sit on my pack for ages. Mm. So that was, that it was, it was a good day. Mm. but it's a lot flatter than any of the other days we'd gone through. Yeah, I was reading about your sandals today. I was like, that's not a bad idea for some <laughs> of the sections where you're not expecting stuff to hit your feet or stopping and actually like that. Yeah, it's kind of like bringing th- thongs so you can still wear them at campsites, mm. but also you can ride with them. Yeah. So everything should have two uses, right? Anything mm. you pack or you're packing too much. Yeah. So access my inner Englishman and wear socks at the same time. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. I would never I do I don't that. recommend for the listeners. Um, so one of the features in this area is the Wellington Forest Cottages, which kind of startled you a bit, didn't they, Don, as you rode past? Yeah, you know, I wasn't quite expecting it. <laughs> and uh, as you point out, yeah, I got lost again. Uh, for some reason, I, I know what I did. I turned right instead of left at a certain point and looped back to the to the same point and I just thought you idiot Donovan <laughs> you're back at the cottages and it was so annoying because I had set myself even though I'm not really one I don't like race to like personal best or anything but I had like this this is the speed this is the time this is when I'll get to the town mm. and because I had that in my head because I doubled back the loop, I went, oh, crap, I'm, I'm going to be late. And it just flustered me. Um, but because the second time through, I knew what I was doing, and I probably pushed harder as a result of making the mistake. I got back to it and um, realized what I'd, where I'd gone wrong. And then, you know, you go into the farmland area where it's, you know, cow country. Mm. So the Ferguson Valley, which is where the Mundabidi goes through, is, is renowned for cows and mm. now wineries yeah so i think this is a good chance to talk about our sponsor green door wines yeah who have graciously provided a drinking tonight yeah so today we're trying the 2018 amphora ganache so ganache is the spanish word for grenache as the french call it i'm sure i'm butchering it with my very australian accent um Lovely wine. Uh, this is quite a different Grenache in that it's been made in amphora clay pots, uh, which is a bit of a different way of making it. You know, a lot of times it's made in steel or oak, but this is a bit of a different method. Um, and also note that Grenache is, I guess, a symbol of where Green Door wines sort of their heart is, which is, I guess, with a bit, bit of a Spanish kind of mm. flavor. Um, and this is... You know, I think Grenache is sometimes referred to as a warm climate Pinot Noir in terms of flavor, kind of fruity, um, you know, like a strawberry berry kind of flavor. And yeah, I think it's, you know, I'm suddenly getting some of those, but then some other flavors as well. Yeah. I mean, this is quite a, a very drinkable wine at the moment. Mm. It'll only get better with age. And yeah, just what do you think, Seth? You are partaking It's really nice. Tonight? It's nice and light. I, um... 
I generally wouldn't have a glass of wine while we're having a conversation where everyone may hear it forever. But this is actually, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice summer wine, I think. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's not for, you know, a lot of reds are maybe a bit too heavy in summer, but I think, you know, a, a Grenache or a Ganache is really good in this for this time of year because it's a bit of a lighter body. But, you know, for a, gren- a Grenache, this is pretty pretty good you know like it's, it's got a bit more body and and a complexity to it and any chance to go to the ferguson valley like any 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 opportunity will go like that is a beautiful part of western australia mm. yep. and um i will definitely be stopping down at that cellar door next time i'm down there yeah so if you are doing the mundabidi and cycling through this area if you get to pile road i think it's only maybe a couple of kilometers away so definitely program that one into your day go and mm. see the guys at green door wines they actually have a, a very nice menu as well if you want to have a sit down meal and a lovely wine doggo as well and also if you use the code trail talk you can get a 10 percent discount off your first order so that's trail talk all one word to get a 10% discount off your first order. And I should I should say that that is online from their website. Okay. That Pile Road as well, that's where there's a mountain bike park, the Leonard, Mount Leonard Mountain Bike Park. I and it is a great spot if you want to do some training for the Mundabidi for that area because it's quiz essentially exactly like the Mundabidi just across the road from it. Mm. Um, you could do like a 10K loop. There's some really long cross-country loops that aren't too technical that is a great day training if you want to get ready for the Mundabidi without doing an overnighter. Mm. Excellent. Um, do, 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 do. Sorry. So through the f- the farmland area of the Ferguson Valley, a, a signature of this is a lot of road cycling and kind of gravel road cycling. Mm. How did you guys find that as an experience? Was that enjoyable or was it a bit annoying <laughs> Are we ready to talk about the bit after Boyan up yet? Like the Hearst Road? Um, not yet. We'll get to Crooked Brook Forest and okay. then we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually quite liked it. You know, like I, I quite liked the fact that there was, you know, you descend from the forest and then you're in this farmland and you get across the top and you just see endless green fields and it's very kind of Shire-esque. Mm. Um, particularly, I think I did, did this in like August. So it was, you know, as lush as it's going to be. Um, yeah, I really liked it. And that's you'd... that's definitely some of my faster sections were in that bit coming out of Wellington. It's because you're just coming off the mountains now and you're right, the view is beautiful, mm. but I'm not a big fan of road cycling or even gravel road cycling now, especially after being treated so well in the first half of the Mundabidi with mm. so much single track. And now, I mean, it's been three years since I've done it, but now there's even more single track. Um, I think that'd be quite a rude awakening. You're like, oh, yes, society, I forgot about you. Yeah. I wish I kept forgetting about you. But you do, you reach Crooked Brook Forest and you kind of get back into it a little bit. Um, it's still like a, a fairly built-up area in terms of being able to see people because it is a popular spot, um, especially for kids and families. But mm. the scenery around Crooked Brook is really, really nice. You get to see the pineapple bushes for the first time, I believe. Yeah. I, I think I don't enjoy Crooked Brook uh, because of how... <laughs> Like stunted Jarrah, it is. It's not too bad. It's it, maybe it was a little bit sort of burnt looking when I went through, so I wasn't mm. great. Didn't love it, but I will say the ride when you get off the roads, because I, I agree with you. Like you get to a, like it's really lovely when you're all through the sort of farmland, and then you get onto just very boring road riding, 
that's like not even unsealed. It's like sealed road riding. And straight. And straight and yeah. long and it goes up and down. Um, and and I always felt like it, the, the map people who decided where the money video was going almost just got a bit lazy maybe yeah. for this section. And hopefully the money will come in and they mm. will change where it goes. But yeah. it is a big difference all mm. of a sudden. And it was it was a real pleasure to just as you enter Crooked Brook, um, you join on to the the site to single track again, and that was even though that wasn't so, that bit's not the main bit of Crooked Brook that everyone knows mm. near the creek line, but that was really nice to again get onto single track. I'd never been to Crooked Brook before, and I don't know if you guys had this same thought in my head. I I, th- I kind of just kept thinking, this is the coolest name for a forest. Mm. I, I, I mm. want it to have fairies. I want it to look really overgrown. And it did, but not in the way I expected. I was a little bit disappointed, but I had built it up so much in my head. Mm. I felt very Lord of, the, Lord of the Rings, you know. I'm going to go to Rivendell kind of thing. Yeah, um, especially being in the Ferguson Valley, you expect it to kind of be in a bit of a valley but it's still a little bit exposed and there's a little bit of a hill, but yeah, it is, it does, it feels a little drier than yeah. the name yeah. suggests. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's significantly less lush than Wellington National Park. Yes. And, and so, yeah, and the, less tall. And especially after I did it in summer. So it felt much drier and yeah. that's the March flies started to attack me again in that bit. I mean, right. I, there wasn't much left, but there was still a few around. Um, while Wellington Dam, I guess, and also because it rained the night before, mm. um, it was, yeah, you're right. It just, it, it's kind of coming out into sparse country when you really felt like it should have been a single track forest. Yeah. Mm. But I think if you're a wildflower hunter, and I'm not really, but you are, Mark. Yes. Um, then there's a lot to love about this area because I, I saw a lot of like sort of grey nomad kind of people in the car park mm. with their you know their books oh look at this wildflower <laughs> <laughs> so I think if you're there in the springtime or you know this was like early uh, early spring late winter that kind of period there's a lot to see if that's the thing that you're interested in. Mm. But past Crooked Brook Forest, we'll oh. let you unleash yes. <laughs> oh, this is the bane of my existence, this part of the track. So Boyanup's beautiful. It's like just rolling through a suburb. Um, mm. It's not a very big town. But then you turn a hard right and you hit Hearst Road, which is um, perpendicular with the highway. Mm. And there you've got eight point something Ks of just riding on the side of the road mm. towards Donnybrook. It's just uh, halfway through i was like surely we're going to turn off any second and mm. it just kept going and it was just i felt gypped i did <laughs> and i'm glad you picked this section for me to turn up because i have a bee in my bonnet about it like what are we doing on the side of the road here when the rest is through the countryside so i'd love to i'd love to put that out there to anyone who's redesigning sections of the mundabidi as they've done in dwelling up and in mundaring they've done an absolute fantastic job mm. this section is your next priority do you think, though, is there an opportunity to take it elsewhere based off the scenery? Because it is a lot of farmland and private property. Where would you think they could take it? Oh, or would you completely reroute it to a different part of the, the area? I I don't know. I as you get So once you turn off Hearst Road, you are then behind a whole lot of farmland doing some like uh, almost like the fire tracks on the farmland and it does get quite sandy and you you take a few very sharp turns around people's blocks that are very square. I would prefer that over um, 
the roadside for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I mean, it, obviously, there's a lot of permissions involved in turning and getting the Mundabidi in those sections. But um, I don't know the area good enough to know whether we can just reroute the whole the whole thing if there's any other forests in that area. But I would definitely prefer scooting around farmland and having a look at people's properties like from a distance and dams and things like that and going through trees and seeing, you know, that's a bit more interesting than on the side of the road and making sure that my little reverse, you know, beacon's turned on. Hopefully mm. nobody hits me with a truck. Yeah, because yeah, that's an issue in the area is there's a lot of trucks use those back roads, not yep. necessarily always on the highway. So That's right. Yeah. You gotta Cow be, trucks and orchard trucks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think if you've started from Mundaring, this is the first real just long road slog of the whole trail. And it really is just not great. Like, I mean, it's, I will say at least that the way that the trees have grown over the road, it's, it's nice and shaded and it looks nice, but it does feel a bit disconcerting when trucks are driving past you. Um, and especially like, I, I agree with you when you get into those out other suburbs of Boy and Up and they've got that, you know, that kind of sub suburban area. I really quite like that. Um, and I saw a lot of, kang probably the most kangaroo paws I've ever seen in one place along this road. So you'll, you'll like that. Um, but as soon as you turn onto the road, it's just so dull and long. It just continues and it just doesn't feel like it should, you know, it should be the Mundabidi. Um, but yeah, you know, well, I'm not, it could have been worse. Sure they could have been putting us on the Southwest Highway, I guess. So yeah. we should at least thank them for that. But you do notice it goes from cow country really quickly to all of a sudden there's just orchards. Yeah. So you know you're getting closer to Donnybrook. You're going away from Boyna and Collie by going cows, cows, oh, apples, cherries, apples, mm. cherries, peaches. And that's beautiful to see. And um, knowing, having that prior knowledge about Donnybrook, I've spent quite a bit of time there when I was a kid, just knowing I'm getting closer and closer, that was quite a nice. Mm. Um, so the trail doesn't actually go into Boyna. Would you guys be interested if it did? Or would that just take you closer to the highway? Uh, I don't really feel the need to go into Boyna per se. Um, I've driven through it so many times. You know. mm. You're pretty close. Like if you did want to, if you wanted to stop there, depending on how you've mapped out your trip, mm. um, it is close enough to make that to make that distance mm. and a boy and up does have the opportunity to try and entice people off the track if they want to mm -hmm. um you mentioned riding along the southwest highway you do actually for a stretch <laughs> ride on there and i've always every time i've driven past that and seen the mundabidi signs i was like really you're putting off trail cycling on the highway yeah even if it is a short section it's still not very pleasant but there is a broad enough shoulder and you know every time i drive down the highway now mm. uh i feel like a bit of nostalgia <laughs> for the trail yeah. so in that regards it's it's nice you know like i remember it and go oh yeah you know i did this here and mm. yeah do you think if like seeing the signs not many people would pick up that that's a mundabidi sign do you think they could do more to be like this is the mundabidi to try and entice people as they're driving I I see people those those you know beware cyclist signs. I don't say that, but mm. that as well. 
And maybe it's because I do know what it is. And even before I did the Mundabidi, it was always like calling enticing. So it probably does still entice the right people, people that are already looking for an adventure and looking for something to do. Same with the Bibelum track signs. You see them every now and then and you're just like, oh, this section would be great. So, and even I'm looking at the map, that Southwest Highway section looks bigger than I remember. You know, it does feel like you were just like jumping on just to cross pretty much um, rather than the way it looks on the map. I think because Hearst Road was so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you're just over it by then. <laughs> I agree. And uh, there is a section in Collie, and I can't remember whether it was a diversion or not, but that was, there was no shoulder, and it, it was a diversion actually because they were logging in that, the area where the, um, before I got picked up for the wedding. Right. And I remember thinking, I'm going to die here. So the section that down here in Southwest Highway is so short that, yeah, I, it didn't even phase me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just before you get into, there's actually a spur trail into Donnybrook, but you could kind of go up a little bit of a hill. There's some more farmland, some what you call utilitarian dams <laughs> up the <laughs> yeah. top of the hill. Yeah, this is really like concrete looking dam at the top of the hill. And I just don't, it looks kind of Soviet, you mm. know, style. Um, and you know, that was okay. I, did, I didn't hate it. Uh, yeah. It was better than riding along a road. I I stayed in Donnybrook that night and I, I mean I don't want to trash Donnybrook but it was probably a big mistake because it is quite a big town there's 3,000 people a lot of families it was getting even closer to the Easter weekend mm. and um, it just kind of like threw me back into society and I was you know very dirty and I got a few looks on on the side of the street mm. trying to get into the bakery like with a probably a ravenous look on my face mm. and I was obsessed with corn chips by that point because I just would crave the salt so much <laughs> yeah. and I had you know like I was like putting things in the bin to make more room for corn chips I think um yeah I, it wasn't the best feeling in that place I mean the backpackers was full because of the the, the orchard pickers and mm. I did look around at the motel and it was quite expensive for what I was planning when I've been I would have been perfectly happy to sleep, sleep in the dirt so mm. I did actually end up staying at this transit park that's like usually a cricket oval, but for some reason, because the Easter weekend was coming up, they ch- turned it into a campsite. Mm. And that was nice because nobody else was there. Yeah. But um, yeah, coming in, I do remember those, the the, t- the um, Stalin type structures. <laughs> and um, so I'd, I felt like I got a pretty good look at um, Donnybrook coming in at 3pm because I was looking for somewhere to sleep. Mm. Um, next time I'd probably just shoot straight through and find somewhere nice to curl up under a tree somewhere um, yep. on the track away from away from the farms and the traffic. Mm. I mean, is it, an, I always think of it as a more idyllic town than what it actually is when I'm there. I think because some of the buildings were maybe in, built in the 60s or the 70s and they're kind of that brown brick it's you know like what it, it is it's going there as a kid and playing on that play equipment that play equipment is amazing yeah, yeah. It is. and as an adult that doesn't have kids i don't enjoy donnybrook as much as i did that play equipment is incredible but it's given me this really idealistic understanding of donnybrook and maybe it's not as fantastic as i remember mm. Mm. i took my nieces there last year and it was just an excuse so I could go play <laughs> in the big apple park. Oh, that's a great, great idea. Yeah. It's like, can we go get some lunch? It's like, no, we're climbing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on Donnybrook, Don? Um, I've driven through here many, many times and I, I like it as a place to just stop in. Mm. Like, I don't think I would stay in Donnybrook. 
Um, especially, I think, if you're coming from Perth, I feel like, you know, Bridgetown is a much nicer place to stay. Um, but, you know, I think it was, it's a decent place to start the, like, you know, we, we you joined us th for the next section mm. through here. And, you know, it's got a bakery with nice things to eat. It's got um, markets. It's got things, you know, because it, it is, this is the, like, the apple capital mm. of Western Australia. So they're a bit of a, you know, a bigger town than some of the other towns in the area. And they've got the oldest English oaks in Australia. They do. They're very pretty. Yep. I actually think the Mundabitties missed a trick here. I think they come into town on the wrong side. Because mm. as you're driving further towards Bridgetown, on the left is the Preston River. And there's like a little foreshore area that I don't think many people know is there if you're driving through town. I think if it came in from the east, there's probably more forest. You could cross the river there and you'd be in the middle of town rather than going in and out on the spur trail. Sure. So I think if they were going to reroute it, maybe look at going to the forest to the east of town. Hmm. But There we go. We can start with the Hearst Road section. Yeah. And go all the way around. <laughs> all the way around. <laughs> See how boy and up likes that. <laughs> Um, so the final section towards Jarrowwood, it's 44 k's, and as you said before, this is the one that I joined you to do Donnybrook to Nanup, so I can finally talk about a longer section of the <laughs> yep. the Mundabitty. Um, so going back along the Spur Trail, we got lost here. <laughs> we took a wrong turn because yeah. the marker looked like it was pointing down a road. Yeah, it actually was, and it was saying go straight along what you're already on. It's sort of ambiguous. So as you're leaving the suburbs of Donnybrook, you're sort of heading out, and the, the way that the sign was placed, it could be read that you're going to turn right or that you're going to go straight at mm. this bend. And it was go straight at the bend, but it looked like it was saying go, go on to this side track it was a nice road i think the farmer was a bit confused as to why there were two cyclists <laughs> along his uh, <laughs> private road but oh, yeah. i got caught in the exact same section back oh. in 2018 yeah, yeah right. coming out of donnybrook i went down this one way road and then the signage told me that yeah to turn because yeah. it, the, the way it is it points down the road but it should be pointing, pointing. left yep. to go straight so mm. yeah, yeah it's yep. very odd same spot yeah Maybe we can, because we're planning on having the head honcho of the Mundabidi in one of these <laughs> these podcasts, so we'll talk to him about. We're gonna that. make a little list of all these little things yeah. that he yeah. probably hasn't doesn't even know about. But he has looked at something. So there was in one of the other episodes I talked about in uh, dwelling up. There was this really bad turn where the signage is ambiguous, and it looks like the sign is saying you should go up this super steep climb. And he and some of his friends went down, and they changed it recently. So. Oh, so all our little little gripes are actually going to the right people. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So keep them coming if you have them in your way to Um So you rejoin after um, reaching the Spur Trail. Mm. And this is kind of like, I don't know, it's scrappy forest, isn't it? It's, it's okay. It's been recently burnt. Um, but I did enjoy the pineapple bushes through here. Yeah. I mean, my feeling with this is while it's not great... Um, you know, I can be pragmatic in that this is near a town and you don't want to have, you know, really dense, high scrub forests right next to buildings. Mm. So while it's not pleasant riding, it's it's acceptable given 
the fact that it's so close to a town. Mm. There's a, a decent amount of single trail along here as well. I thought we were yeah. going to be on fire trails for a lot longer than we actually were. Yeah. How was uh, your start to the day after? The, yeah, the I, I actually had a really good day that day. That was um, a very strong day for me. I remember getting lost at that section, but the rest just, I was on autopilot by then. Mm. Um, it is quite clear and quite flat as well compared to what we've just gone through. So it was just nice to have a bit of a cruisier um, fight until I guess, I think it was Goodwood, Goodwood Road or something where you've mm. got a bit of a climb. So that was, yeah. Yeah, it's a good mix of forest and farmland. And I think kind of if you're in the area and you know it's it's rural, it's okay. You can accept a farm every now and then. I kept having to remind myself, every time I see a cow, I like to moo. Same with a duck, <laughs> <laughs> I like to quack. Going to remind myself not to antagonize the cows. Don't antagonize <laughs> the bull. You just, he turns around and he looks at you. You'd be yeah. like, ooh. <laughs> that, it's, do you notice that some of the fences do not look like they could hold? the bulls in yeah. like oh. that is one thing <laughs> yeah. i've noticed about riding them under video i was like how is that thing holding you in if i look at you the wrong way mm. you that fence is not going to stop you it's yeah. more psychological <laughs> <laughs> actually that's an interesting point i know it's probably a myth but should you be riding a red bike or wearing anything <laughs> red if you're doing them under video i'm glad i'm riding a pantsuit ba pantsuit beige bike yeah. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned Goodwood Road. Um, how was this with your three-inch tides? Was this a lot better given it's mostly downhill? Yeah, I don't remember having any issues on this on this day at all for 45 kilometres, which was is probably one of my bigger days until I got further south when they became bigger days because mm -hmm. I was only riding half days at a time. There was a point in this day where I think I had a half an hour nap. Um, it's my annual leave. That's what I do. I don't have the pressures of meeting up with people or anything like that. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, just cruised. Um, and I also talk to cows, ducks, birds, <laughs> bees, very much bees. Um, but I don't use their language. I use my language and just uh, assume yeah. that they understand me. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> See, I try and use their language, but like I could be speaking like Spanish cow to them <laughs> instead of English cow. You never know. Yep. Um, but this, we had quite a bit of fun on this one. We didn't did. We? Yeah. Got up to quite a, a high speed for mountain biking. Well, did we get to 70? No, it was just over 50, I think. Okay. We got to one point because I was drafting and getting into an aerodynamic position and I couldn't really hear anything because of the, the wind rushing past. And then all of a sudden there was a car next to me. I was like, ooh, I yeah. should probably stop doing this. <laughs> It was good fun. Yeah. You know, I think that was prob probably, for me, some of the fastest speeds I got on the whole track until uh, the bit just into Denmark. It's a super ri like ridiculously steep road. Mm. And other than that, that's probably as fast as I got. Yeah. So the road here, it actually serves a purpose. It's to get over, there's, I think there's two crossings of the Capel River. Yeah. Um, so rather than take you off and build a bridge it's just using the road bridge which i don't mind it was a good good way to get some speed up and traipse through the area there is mm. a winery on goodwood road we were a bit too early for yeah. it yeah <laughs> so recommend if you're staying at Jarrowwood, maybe delay your start and you can go in for tasting i think it was saturday mm. or sundays they're open yeah yep that that i i can't remember when does the sand start the white sand. I think after Goodwood, when, okay. you, when you cross into Vernon Road, you yeah, sort of that 
go that off. That tripped and, me out because you feel so inland for so long and then all of a sudden there's just this white sand that appears mm. out of nowhere. And, I mean, Western Australia is as sandy as you can get, but mm. the fact that it was white beach sand and also my tyres started losing, like I'd, I'd run out of sealant and so my tyres were losing pressure. Right. One thing you should do is you should always prep your bike before you leave and mm. add sealant if you've got tubeless tyres. Um, and uh, I was losing pressure, which was fine on the sand. I still managed to get through it, but it just tripped me out that all mm. of a sudden you go from these forests and this hard, you know, dirt from Collie and then, you mm. know, Donnybrook, you've got farmland dirt. And then all of a sudden you just hit this amazing white sand, which mm. just is kind of reflective to during the day. Mm. And I always kind of associate the white sand with stunted Jarrah, but the Jarrah here was actually surprisingly nice. Yeah, it was, it was okay. I think... There'd been some trees left over. That was the thing. Like, yeah. they'd probably been logged previously, but they'd left some habitat trees when they actually used to do that. Mm. But yeah, it was, I remember. Yeah, it was all right. And I remember the farmland as well through here. We saw, was it like a dozen border collies off in the distance? Yeah, it was just this like crazy thing where there was a guy on a quad bike and he had all these border collies oh, following amazing. him. amazing. And I was just like, you greedy guy. <laughs> Give me one of those. <laughs> I was like watching. I was like, "Come over here, come over here!" But he like he turned away and he kept going. I was no, like, oh, they're working. Doggos. They wouldn't even notice you. Yeah. 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 Oh, they were so living cool. their best lives. Oh. Yeah, and it was about this point as well. I was like, looked up towards a hill. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's close to where you would be on the bill, and if um, near green bushes, maybe. And I was kind of like connecting the two places. It was a really fun spot. Yeah, but then we passed one of those orchards that was it was a bit late in the season. Yeah, and it just smelt like bad apple. <laughs> yeah, it's had that smell of a bin, you know, like oh. it's just rotten fruit smell. Oh, where it's it's a bit sweet but a bit sickly yeah. at the same time. A bit alcoholic as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we hit pine trees. So between uh, just before Jarrowwood and Nalamia. So it that was that was quite interesting. Mm. You you come up the top and then you've just got the view of the plantation you're about to ride into. Pine trees for me. Are, I don't, I don't associate Western Australia with pine trees and the fact that we have these big logging sections of pine trees. They always seem quite magical and European mm. to me. Mm. Um, and being able to see what you're descending into. Um, now, I think there was a diversion for me there, so just seemed to go forever around all these pine trees. But I just cranked the music up and just kept riding. Mm. Um, by then, I had some sort of noise coming out of my bike that was very annoying. It was going <laughs> ching, ching, ching. So yeah, I had to put the headphones in at yeah, that you point. Want to ignore that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, the, I I loved that section, even mm. though it is pine and it's so unnatural, and you know it's a farm. Mm. Um, the fact that we're still riding on these wide roads and the music I was probably listening to was quite, you know, upbeat and getting me through. Um, mm. Probably something from Pendulum or something like that. Uh, yeah, I was I was on a high by that point. It only takes me a couple of days to hit that high again. Mm. And um, that's something I definitely experience, especially when I ride on my own um, or hike on my own, is that you, you do hit those euphoric moments. And yeah. I think coming down that hill and riding through those pine trees and just smashing out the speed, I just... Mm. And it was probably after that afternoon nap as well. I felt pretty good. Mm. Mm. It's always in the weirdest places where that hits as well. <laughs> We had the same, it wasn't a diversion, there were diversion notices because they were harvesting, but no one was working, so we're like, well, we'll just go through. Yeah, because the sign was sort of ambiguous. I think that there was a diversion, but then they put it back onto the track, but you could tell that they were doing work through the area. 
but the way that they've cleared it is kind of interesting because they've left a lot of mature trees and yeah. I kind of like that because it feels it doesn't feel like a plantation where you get those like scrappy tiny little pines it was all you know trees that have been there for a long time and it feels nice to cycle through See, that I don't understand is if you're running a plantation, these things have 10 to 15 year life cycles before they're cut down. Mm. There were massive piles of pines that had been cut down and the wood was all grey because it's been left there for a while. Yeah. Like, this just seemed mismanaged to me that they let these pines grow as big as they had and yet they were still harvesting these smaller pines. Mm. I don't understand, <laughs> but it was pleasant riding, and like the the more mature pines, as you said, Saf is really nice to see because you can only see a certain distance into them before it gets really dark, yeah. and it kind of feels like you're a little bit enclosed. Yeah, even though you are riding on dirt roads, it yeah. does. And mm. I mean, for anyone out there that follows bikepacking on Instagram, anytime you lean your bike up against a whole lot of um, cut up pine it's a good photo yeah. so you know i i just <laughs> yeah. trolled around looking for you know leaning up my bike against a whole lot of pines um it looked very canadian mm, um yeah. yeah so i enjoyed that and i i just i, I love that section mm. i really did and i mean coming into jarrowood which was you know we hit a bit more forest a bit more farm and then entering into jarrowood jarrowood is definitely a special moment on my in, on my Mundabidi journey. Mm. I had a great time at Nullamira. So I think you would have gone mm. through that forest heading into Jarrowood before the big fires that ripped yes. through there. So you probably had a more enjoyable yeah. ride in. Yeah, yeah. and uh, when those fires did rip in, it did make me think about Jarrowood itself. Um, one or, So while I was, when I got into Jarrowood, about 30 minutes after I started unpacking and fortunately had dressed into the cleaner clothes, um, one of the locals actually came up and offered to show me around town and gave me a lot of history about Jarrowood. And I think that actually ended up making Jarrowood for me. That's why I have, because I had more context of what was going on and mm. where, where the timber mill had come from and how long it lasted. And in the 80s, I think it was 87, that they, they closed the mill and the houses that were left. And rumour has it that the people that were there at the time got to buy these houses for a dollar each. Um, unverified source, mm. but and uh, and these people live there now. And Mark, the guy who showed me around town, this is why I was thinking about him when the bushfires went through. He had actually converted one of the old cars of so many old cars in town into a um, fire truck, one of the Holdens into a fire truck, mm. and. He showed me that and he showed me what he was fixing up and which houses had been fixed up at what points and even gave me, oh, you can get reception on this hill. I'll come and show you. And so I could message my parents and say, look, I've, I've made it to Jarrowood. Mm. Um, I thought that was just really cool, really cool. And really cool that there's, I think there's 20 people in town and eight houses that are currently occupied when I was there in 2018. And um, to be given this local tour um and then that's the weirdest bit about that hut it's situated right in the middle of town it's so weird it's like, so weird i didn't look at photos before we went and we we're riding through town and all of a sudden you spotted a marker to point you towards the campsite i was like oh there it is and it's like it's literally just on this plot of land <laughs> in the middle of town I was like, this is not what i expected and and, and there's no like these huts they're they're wallless, right? You can walk straight through the hut without having... There's no three walls. There's two walls. Yeah. So you can see through the hut from town. Mm. And, I mean, 
you know, not that anyone's looking because there's only 20 people that live there. Mm. Um, but the coolest thing as well is Jarrowwood's like this secret that nobody knows about because it's right off the Vass Highway. Like, mm. it's right there. It's only 30 kilometres from the coast. Mm. And these houses, they don't even look that run down, but they are not multi-million dollar houses like you would get, you know, 10 kilometres down the road at Bustleton. Um, and they've got this really sweet spot and there's emus and kangaroos everywhere and the emus are almost like pets to the locals, not not actual pets, but they all have names and Mark was telling me their names and mm. how he bonds with a few of them and mm. it's just the coolest little place. But I could understand that if you didn't have all that context, how creepy it would have been being right in the middle of town and kind of very quiet, mm. people closing their curtains kind of thing. It's real cowboy. Mm. It was. We had two guys like kick the footy near where we were and they wandered over and they asked us, you know, about the bikes and everything. It was just kind of like yeah. very casual. It was kind of like they were just looking around and like, oh, this is this is a hut yeah. from the month of Biddy and um yeah, I mean I I, I think you were more shocked than me because I knew what to expect. <laughs> I just see how exposed it was because I pictured Jarrowwood as being kind of like Donnelly River where it was a lot of forest and it was kind of hidden. But it's basically like a big open cleared area where all the houses are and then the hut's just on this bit of like weedy land. Kind and of it on looks the very hill. abandoned too, doesn't mm, it? There's yeah. dead, dead cars everywhere and yeah. just dead bits of machinery. And um, yeah, and it's also one of the coldest places in the southwest. I mean, Bridgetown can claim it as a town, but Jarrowwood's got this secret that's down a little valley. Yeah. And that was my coldest night. I could hardly sleep. And, you know, after the 45-kilometre burn that I did on the bike, I woke up at 3 a.m. with the sorest legs because I was so freezing and then my muscles had all cramped up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wind just goes straight through that hut. Yeah, we experienced that as well because we were, as we were finishing the day, kind of racing the rain yeah. that was predicted we were getting storms that night and then we were trying to play games um card games in the shelter and we were like huddled in a corner <laughs> with like tea lights going out left and right yeah but it was a fun night listening to the rain i love that the mundabitties have the tin tin roofs yeah and the rain just hits it and it just makes you want to sleep yeah mm. it was also really foggy when i went so even though that hut is on a little bit of a hill like a slight incline from town it's still quite far down compared to everything around it so Mm. i would just wake up in the mist at at 3 a.m and that was really cool if i wasn't so freezing um and i i mistakenly because i was so warm when i got there didn't even have my thermals when i went to fall asleep so that was uh that was a that was an amateur move by me the coolest thing about um jarrowwood and i haven't done it is that there's a loop trail that goes out to secret witcher and comes back and it's about 62 kilometers. So if you wanted to do a trail on like close to the Mundabiddy in the southwest, I haven't done it, but it looks really cool on the maps and I can't wait to give it a go. Mm-hmm. Even camp out in Secret Witcher and come back or do it the other way and camp at that Nalamia hut and go back around again. Yeah. Um, it was another good like overnight or even single day for those who are super keen for 65Ks. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and Secret Witch is supposed to be a beautiful part of the world as well, being so close to Margaret River, and it's one of the mountain mountain bike delights. Yeah. Nice. So that is Collie to Jarrowwood. Mm. Kind of very diverse scenery, but also very enjoyable, I think. Mm. I think certainly it's more consistent than the previous section where it has that you know horribly logged and mm. mining scarred area. Yeah. Um, so I... 
I quite like this section, even though it's not, it's not like a, like amazing the way that for it is further south. Um, but it's a consistent section apart from that road section that's mm. leading into Donnybrook. Yeah. And where would you rank this map or section in the the entirety of the Mundabidi? Oh, even though it has really nice bits, the Welly Dam is definitely a highlight. And then Jarrowwood, probably from my personal experience, um, being there, being great, it's probably not that high on the list. Um, just a lot of farmland and a lot of flat road compared to other sections. And further south is so wild and so different. And then north, you're so um, isolated. This section, yeah, I wouldn't. I'm glad you invited me for this one because I got to tell outwardly what my gripes were about Hearst Road. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it's not high on my list. Yeah. And while we've got you in, do you want to talk about your bikepacking setup, like your gear that you use? What would you do different? Anything that you could particularly recommend as a piece of gear? Yeah. Um, I, so I started out with this idea that I was going to do the Mundabidi on my bike that I already had, you know, had for years and my um, just bought some, t- you know, cheap panniers and a rack. And very early on doing like overnight sections to practice, sometimes taking the dog with me, uh, it, was, it wasn't easy and it was difficult and surely it could be better than this. And I felt very inefficient. And one thing I noticed is the Mundabidi is a bit of a walk. You know, there are, there are sections of walking. I'm a much stronger mountain biker now, but back then um, I'm still not a cyclist by any means. So um, when you're pushing your bike um, uphill out of uh, dam sections and even that south of Jaredale kind of section, uh, pushing your bike with panniers is not fun because you have to put out your hip so much to be able to push it while a bike packing setup, which involves it being quite streamlined, you're using the inside of the bike as a bag and then you've got a bag hanging out behind the saddle and then all your weight is actually on the front um, on the handlebars, you can actually get your body really close to the bike and put your hand behind the seat to push up mm. and use the strength where your leg strength pretty much to push the bike up, which is what you should be using. And I found that really early on when I was practicing. So um, I actually now own a Surly ECR, which is a it, – it's a, it's a, I think the, the term is put yourself anywhere in the world and just ride home. And you can. It can eat anything. It can roll over any rock you want. And uh, the three-inch tires, which I've now recently from other trips, have changed down to a skinnier tire. Um, still 2.35s, like it's not that skinny. Yeah. Um, but the three inches were awesome for the Mundabidi because that sand section, you could see where everyone had to step off the bike and walk. But, oh, man, <laughs> I could just float over those sections. I've ridden... Um, up at Steep Point in Tamala Station up in Shark Bay, just along the sand forever because yeah. that bike is built for – it's actually built for snow. So the, it actually works really well with gravel and sand here. Mm. So um, it is a very heavy bike. It's made out of steel and quite thick steel compared to most bikes. And it, like I said before, it's not red for the bulls. It's pantsuit beige, which is what <laughs> the surly guys call it. And the bike packing setup. I mean, regardless of your bike, I highly recommend the bikepacking setup. The one thing my bike doesn't have is front suspension. And it was very noticeable mm. on the quite kind of things we came across on the Mundabidi. Um, so it'd be great to lock, get front suspension and then be able to lock it out. I think that would be a big plus for anybody looking for a bike these days to do the Mundabidi. 
um, because my hands were numb from day one. Uh, as for gear, uh, yeah, number one, get a titanium spork. Do not use a plastic spork. Very early on, that spork um, snapped and I was stuck. Luckily, it was one of my practice runs, so I didn't have to deal with the three weeks with being sporkless. Mm. So that's highly recommend. Um, and rubbish bags. Doggy bags are the best thing in the world. They are designed to be leak-proof. So, and they're very small because you shouldn't be carrying too much rubbish, right? You need to design the way you are packing your gear so that you are rubbish-free. Um, I make my own food. So I've got a dehydrator and for something that long, I would make my own food. But if you're coming from somewhere else, it is a little bit harder. So if you're coming from over east, you can't get food into Western Australia, things like that. I think that's a good point because the Mundabiti, unlike the Bibbulmun, you're very few days between towns. So you really shouldn't be carrying that much. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Water is a big thing. And a lot of internationals that I met on the trip. That was one of their big highlights that they said. I, I met these couple of German guys um, closer to Pemberton and they end up being great friends with them and still are friends with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, water was a big thing from them coming from Europe. And even the New Zealanders that I met, a couple of New Zealanders, water was a big deal. We are Western Australia. We are quite sparse and certain times of the year you are going to struggle to find water. Fortunately, our huts have two tanks each, but sometimes the tanks are also not drinkable. Like the time I opened up the tank, and all leeches just fell out. So, you know, uh, make sure you have some sort of water purifying Mm. system and, um, you know, carry quite a bit of water. Uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm a big gear nerd and the more I've done bikepacking and I've done a lot of other trips since and also overseas trips now and realise that Western Australia is quite unique um, just from having those experiences uh, yeah, my gear is really important. The more prepared you are, the easier it's going to be. But you hear people all the time and there's guys out there that will just jump on a bike and just go. Um, and that's fine because you are close to towns. Uh, but I do recommend uh, at least a PLB, which is like a, a emergency device, which uh, you should be using on the Bibulum as well and things like that because you are quite isolated and I think people from other places don't realise how isolating mm. it is even if you are in a couple of days from town you're still a couple of days from town yeah. um, and a snake bandage kit that fortunately I've never had to use but we do have nine out of the ten most venomous snakes in the world and a lot of them are in, in, in the southwest. I you do see a lot of them as further south you get and snakes are great we, you know, you do become one with the reptiles of Western Australia, but um, always just be prepared. If you've got your snake bandage kit and your PLB, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can deal with anything. I guess it's more of a problem on a bike because you don't see them as quickly and you can't stop. So if they... They don't hear you snap, as fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a bigger risk, I think, if you're on your bike. Yeah. There was definitely that North Cliff section where I definitely uh, didn't put my foot down for this whole <laughs> this whole ride through um, some swampy looking land because um, yeah. you could hear them all or what well, I assumed were snakes. But uh, mm. yeah. Uh, but that's that's part of it. And I think... Some people make it a bigger deal than it actually is. Yeah. Um, we live with them every day, whether we see them or not, we don't. I mm. live up in Perth Hills, so they're everywhere. Mm. Um, but they are more scared of us than, yeah. than you know, mm. we are of them. Absolutely. So as long as you're prepared for those things, water, first aid, and an emergency device, you won't get reception all the way along as well. And that's okay. Like, I did not have any pressure, fortunately, 
to ride at anyone else's speed except for my own. It's my annual leave, so I'll just ride until I mm. feel like having a nap and then ride again. And you do become one. You do end up talking to the bees and going a little bit loopy, but that's good. You really experience who you really are. Yeah. yeah. Um, favourite section and favourite campsite? Oh, man, it's been a while. Favourite section? Um, oh, you know what? It's For me, it was those little things that happened. There's this section up at Dandenup. So the Dandenup, Dandenup South Dandenup uh, campsite, I think it's called. That was my favourite campsite where you could overlook all the way to Mandra mm-hmm. and to Fremantle from the top. And that was beautiful. And I've been back a couple of times since then. But there was a part where I turned the wrong way and ended up down the bottom of the dam when you were supposed to keep going along the bridge. And that is a big, steep incline. Even though it's on um, bitumen, it's a big, steep incline. And this guy came up to me and saw me looking at the maps and trying to work it out. And he convinced me I, I'm I'm not a rebellious person and i very safe. But he convinced me that he, he locked a towel in his boot and convinced me to hold on and he dragged me up the top of the hill on my bike and it, 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 his wife took photos so I do have them and you should see that smile on my face and I just remember thinking this is insane but and this is kind of something that you would do overseas or you you know you would experience in different countries but this is this is not even that far away from Perth and I was just having the best time mm-hmm. um Warpole section is also beautiful I hadn't spent much time in Warpole so that was that was pretty cool mm-hmm. I hear it's about to be very well maintained, that area. <laughs> <laughs> I have tried multiple times, but they've burnt the area. Uh, oh, that's a bit um, sad. But I will maintain that section very well when I get to it. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, thanks very much, Saf, for coming in. It's been great to have your insight on this particular section, especially the bits that could be changed. <laughs> hopefully we'll get them done. No, um, thank you. And I um, I really appreciate being invited, especially, I, I mean, I follow both of you on Instagram and both your blogs and your photos are just incredible. It my, puts my little iPhone photos to shame. So I look forward to listening to the future episodes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Real Trail Talk, then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. Ratings really help us to reach an audience, especially those who are looking to learn about the outdoors in Western Australia and Australia in general. If you had any questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or contact us through our social media channels. Thanks again and stay tuned for our next episode.